Shortly after the election, someone noticed that in Antrim County, there was a weird anomaly. A location that was typically overwhelmingly Republican was inverted for the Democrats. This woman asked for an audit to check this and turned out 6,000 votes had been flipped from Trump to Biden. Now, initially, this was reported as a glitch or an error. Later, they said it was a human error. And that explains everything. Nothing to see here, folks. The Dominion voting machine was totally fine. It's a person who made the mistake. Now, that's still the official stance of the, 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 the Democratic officials in Michigan. But following this, Republicans demanded an independent audit of the machines, a forensic analysis. They did that. A Michigan judge this morning ruled that this analysis could be released. And the report is absolutely insane. According to the forensic analysis, they say that it's intentional that these machines generate a widespread error resulting in adjudication where election personnel with no chain of custody, with no audit track or any record whatsoever, can essentially decide where the votes go. Now, I believe even though YouTube has issued these rules about whether or not you can make claims of fraud and Donald Trump in the election, this should fall under news reporting. So I will go on to stress that what I'm about to report to you is coming from a, a, a forensic audit released by a judge a, with, with ju- a judge's approval that may have an impact on this election. And it is not going to be my opinion. I'll give you my opinion on, on, on other issues. We also have major breaking news out of Wisconsin, a victory for Donald Trump that may result in hundreds of thousands of votes being discarded because they said. Uh, claiming you're indefinitely confined due to COVID does, is, is not legitimate. However, I don't know if Trump will still win in the long run. It is a victory in a sense, but there's still an uphill battle here. The bigger news, I, I just don't even know what to think about this. We've got a story from Epic Times, which is not NewsGuard certified and considered to be more pro-Trump. And all the other outlets that are saying, don't believe the forensic analysis. These are Trump supporters and they're lying. Listen. You want a forensic analysis, you got one. They've made their conclusions and they have said they believe that Michigan should not be certified, their opinion. And if that's the case, then as of right now, that would not change the outcome of the election nationwide. (laughs) YouTube's taking this video down. I wouldn't be surprised. Here's the first report. Before I get into the hard uh, PDF and the breakdown from Epic Times, I want to show you what Detroit News said. Michigan judge allows release of report on Antrim County voting. They say a Michigan judge decided Monday that supporters of President Donald Trump may publicly release and discuss information they've collected from an analysis of voting machines and data in Antrim County. Notice how they frame it. Trump's supporters, instead of saying an MIT trained Harvard degree analysis, because that's the reality of what we're dealing with. This is a propaganda war, my friends. That's why YouTube has told everybody they'll they'll shut you down if you say the wrong thing. Eric Grill, an assistant attorney general representing Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, warned the analysis is inaccurate, incomplete and misleading. Why? You're not the forensic uh, analyst. You're a government official. We want the third party, the independent party, to show us what actually happened. There's no reason to hide, Grill said during a virtual court hearing Monday morning. There's nothing to hide. They were blocking this from being released, which is very weird. 
Antrim County, with about 23,000 residents, has gained the spotlight and the push for Trump supporters to try and discredit. You see that? Discredit the result of the November 3rd election because of a failure to update voting software. President-elect Joe Biden was initially thousands of votes ahead of Trump in the Republican-leaning county's official results. Trump later was shown to have more than 5,000 vote lead in the county, where about 16,000 votes were cast. The problem amid changing unofficial results led supporters of the president to question what had occurred in Antrim County and the integrity of Dominion voting systems, whose equipment the county used. After a lawsuit brought by Antrim County resident William Bailey, Circuit Judge Kevin Eisenheimer, a former Republican lawmaker, allowed Allied Securities Operation Group and Bailey to take forensic images of the county's 22 tabulators and review other election-related material. Their analysis had been under protective order, meaning it couldn't be released publicly until Monday when Elsenheimer said he would allow the release with some redactions because of information related to source code. Grill didn't oppose the release of the information, noting Bailey's attorney, Matthew DiPerno, had discussed it in interviews and it had been mentioned in a filing in the U.S. Supreme Court. Documents filed at the court and documents being used with this litigation should be public record, contended DiPerno. On Sunday, attorneys representing six Michigan Republicans who are challenging the state's election results asked the U.S. Supreme Court uh, allow them to file new evidence under seal, meaning it's not released to the public, including a forensic examination of voting machines in Antrim County, according to a letter obtained by the Detroit News. The evidence is crucial to a just resolution of the cases pending before this court. The Michigan Republicans attorney wrote to the U.S. Supreme Court. The petitioners stand ready to provide the evidence to the court under the procedures it deems appropriate. But Dominion Voting Systems and the Michigan Secretary of State's office continue to urge caution about false information related to Antrim County. I got to stop here. Those individuals are party to the suit. Okay, if the secretary of state wants to come out, make a claim, I don't care. If the Republican legislature wants to come and make a claim, I don't care. They can both submit it. It can go to court. If the report gets released and it's by a third party and it was brought by Republicans who are suing, I'll look at the merits of the individual who made the assessment. Upon his making that assessment, I want a court to decide. But the secretary of state coming out and saying, no, it's not true. It's not true. Shut your mouth. It goes to the courts or it doesn't. Okay, I am sick of this. These people acting like officials, they are party to the suit. They, I, I should say they are defendants effectively. That's probably the right way to put it. It's getting me so angry when you see this clear framing bias. I'll tell you what we can say right now. Republicans are obviously challenging after a strange phenomenon occurred. Republicans contend it was a computer problem. And the, the, the Democrats and the Secretary of State said it was a human problem. Dominion Voting System says the individual was supposed to do something because they didn't. An error occurred. But it's not, in my opinion, incumbent upon the individual to do anything to their machines if the machine is counting things wrong and flips votes. I don't see that as human error. That's just my opinion. I don't know ultimately what this leads to. Does it mean the outcome was changed? I don't think so. It's just one state. It's one county. Who knows where it will go? It must go to court. But I am sick of this. Let me show you this document. Allied Security Operations Group. Now, this is the document being uh, uh, sent out that uh, on Twitter, it's from DePerno Law, which is from Matthew DePerno, who is the the individual who was uh, filing the suit. And they say from the for client Bill Bailey, who we are. My name is Russell James Ramsland Jr. I'm a resident of Dallas County, Texas. I hold an MBA from Harvard University and a political science degree from Duke. 
I have worked with the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, among other organizations, and have run businesses all over the world, many of which are highly technical in nature. I have served on technical government panels. He says, I am part of the management team of Allied Security Operations Group, LLC. ASOG is a group of globally engaged professionals who come from various disciplines to include the Department of Defense, Secret Service, Department of Homeland Security, and and the CIA. It provides a range of security services, but has a particular emphasis on cybersecurity, open source investigations, and penetration testings of networks. We employ a wide variety of cyber and cyber forensic analysts. We have patents pending in a variety of applications from novel network security applications to SCADA, supervisory control and data acquisition, protection and safe browsing solutions for the dark and deep web. For this report, I've relied on these experts and resources. They said purpose and preliminary conclusions. The purpose of this forensic audit is to test the integrity of Dominion voting system in how it performed in Antrim County, Michigan for the 2020 election. Two, listen, listen very carefully, because this is where the hammer drops. We conclude that the Dominion voting system is intentionally and purposefully designed with inherent errors to create systemic fraud and influence election results. The system intentionally generates an enormously high number of ballot errors. The electronic ballots are then transferred for adjudication. The intentional errors lead to bulk adjudication of ballots with no oversight, no transparency, and no audit trail. This leads to voter or election fraud. Based on our study, we conclude that the Dominion voting system should not be used in Michigan. We further conclude the results of Antrim County should not have been certified. They go on to present many, many more statements and ultimately conclude that because 48 other counties use the same systems, they believe that calls Michigan into question. That's about it. First thing you got to know, this maybe we'll never see a court. I mean, it literally did. A judge just allowed to be released. But what I mean is this is now being presented as evidence to the Supreme Court. It's important you know about it. This is important, newsworthy information, YouTube. And I assert no opinion on the matter. I'm simply showing you what they have personally published. And a judge said should be released. And the lawyers in Michigan said, so be it. It should be public. They have gone on to say that it is uh, inaccurate, incomplete, etc. That's not for you or I to judge. It's for the Supreme Court, I suppose. So you know what? I'll give it to YouTube. They're actually correct. There's no reason for any of us to say that, you know, that criteria that will get you banned, that widespread fraud resulted in, you know, uh, their second claim that the outcome of the election was changed. No, no need. No need. OK, and I think that's fine. I know I, 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 I well, no, I don't think it's fine. I think it's draconian and psychotic. People should have a, 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 should be entitled to their opinions. But what I mean to say is we can still function and get by, assuming they don't just find a reason to take this video down by saying something as simple as this. The document has been released. The, the statement has been made by an MIT, Harvard-educated, Duke University, NASA employee. Uh, this is an individual of the utmost credibility, and it must go to the Supreme Court, and they can make their decision. Okay, if it doesn't go to the Supreme Court, it's entirely possible SCOTUS just says, bye-bye, no. Because these are, you know, look, this, this might sound crazy, it might be crazy, and we got another big breaking story out of, out of Wisconsin I want to show you. This is, this is huge. This is absolutely huge. This is an official forensic audit of the machines, and their conclusion is extremely damning. Now, we've heard the opinions of the experts. 
not definitive proof. It could be proof and it could be evidence. A court must determine that, not me. You can have your own opinion, okay? Yes, I am trying to be careful that this video doesn't get taken down because I want you to know about this and I want you to come to your own opinions. But as of right now, this is an expert opinion and analysis, which is evidence, interestingly enough, and it can go to the courts and the courts will tell you whether it is or isn't as serious as we might come to assume. I'll keep my opinion on this to myself to make sure you get a chance to hear this. This is some crazy stuff, however. I just, I just, I, uh, (laughs) it's a crazy day. We got so much more news. I don't even know what to do for the 1 p.m. segment, but we got Stephen Miller saying that they're going to be sending out alternate electors. I think that that I'm going to do that segment at four because I got to show you this story right here. Wisconsin Supreme Court says individuals can determine for themselves whether they can avoid the voter ID law because of age or disability. It's a very, very interesting headline from Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The headline, in my opinion, should read, Wisconsin Supreme Court gives Trump major victory. Votes may be thrown out for false claims of indefinite uh, 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 confinement. What they've said is, you can't claim to be indefinitely confined because of COVID, which may call into question 200,000 votes. If we go based off of, so, so let, let, me, let me slow down. Indefinite confinement is what it sounds like. If you're uh, infirm, if you're elderly, if you're sick, you can't go and cast a vote. So if you're indefinitely confined, you, can't, you, you don't need your ID to vote. It's a weird law, in my opinion, because well, you should still need it, I guess, some kind of verification, maybe a photocopy at least. But that's the idea. In the past couple of years, indefinite confinement has been extremely low, like hundreds to thousands. But something happened this time around where 200,000 people claimed they were indefinitely confined and didn't need IDs. Well, initially in Wisconsin, there were some government officials saying, if you're stuck locked down because of COVID, by all means, you can say it. The, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin said, no, you cannot, which means there is a high likelihood many of these people, because the number is, is very anomalous, thought they were doing fine. So no fraud here, no fraud and no error. Just a court chain, a court rule, uh, uh, a court order, essentially, on what it means now. Votes may be thrown out. My question to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is, why didn't you lead with hundreds of thousands of votes may be thrown out? No, they led with the it's you can determine your own indefinite confinement. So what? Trump got a victory on this one. Are they going to say two to fifty three? Now, check it out. The state Supreme Court ruled Monday it is up to Wisconsinites to determine whether they face challenges that allow them to vote absentee without providing a copy of a photo ID. Under state law, people can vote absentee without showing an ID if they say they are indefinitely confined because of age, disability, or infirmity. Two county clerks this spring contended voters could meet that status because of the coronavirus pandemic and a stay-at-home order. The state Republican Party sued directly with the state Supreme Court, and the justices quickly issued an initial order that said the advice from the county clerks was faulty. The clerks rescinded their advice. In its final decision Monday, the justices concluded it was up to each voter, not clerks or anyone else, to decide when they qualify as indefinitely confined. In addition, they found the pandemic and the stay-at-home order, which has since been struck down, did not render all voters indefinitely confined. That's the important point. That should have been the lead, in my opinion, because this opens the door to, for, for Trump to now question these votes and start challenging them individually. They say, on those points, the seven justices were unanimous. 
But the court's lower, uh, the court's three liberals dissented on some parts of the majority opinion. The issue of indefinite confinement was also raised in a lawsuit President Donald Trump brought against election officials after narrowly losing the state to Biden. The state Supreme Court heard arguments in that case Saturday, but has not yet issued a decision. The plain language of state law requires that each elector make an individual assessment to determine whether he or she qualifies as indefinitely confined or disabled for an indefinite period. A county clerk may not declare that any elector is indefinitely confined due to the pandemic. Chief Justice Patience Roggensack wrote for the majority. The majority decision stated, if voters falsely claimed they were indefinitely confined, their ballots would not count. But the court did not give license to throw out large numbers of ballots without making determinations about the status of each individual voter, as Trump has sought in a separate lawsuit, which means Trump could now start individually targeting many, many different people. And and it's it's uh, I'm sorry, it's going to be easy. Uh, This is why it's a big victory for Trump. We've already seen what the Voter Integrity Project has done. You can just get voter data. They can easily just grab anybody between 25 and 54 and start doing an, an analysis or an assessment on the individuals, and they need only like, what, 10 or 20,000 out of 200,000 to say they're not indefinitely confined and get their votes thrown out. That's simple. Let's say someone's like 35. You're probably going to look at this 35-year-old male and be like, probably not indefinitely confined. That may open the door to Trump going through this. Now, if Trump does an analysis on all 200,000, and it's possible they can look through all the names and they can start looking people up, it won't take that long. Trust me, it won't. I don't know if they can do it fast enough, but they can certainly do it before January 6th. They could easily find 40 or 50,000 out of these people. I'll put it this way. Assuming that many of these people thought COVID was grounds for being indefinitely confined and, and because the anomalous amount of individuals, it stands to reason it was COVID that these people cited. They may have you know, done something they thought was totally illegal, totally legal and was not fraud and wasn't even an error. It's just now that the courts have issued a ruling changing, you know, or or, or I should say clarifying, which may get those votes thrown out. Trump could theoretically have an argument to why he won Wisconsin. And I I think I got to be honest, I think this is it. I think this victory in the Wisconsin Supreme Court shows there is a strong likelihood Trump really did win in Wisconsin. Now, if these people who voted and claimed they were definitely confined just voted normally, perhaps he wouldn't have. And perhaps because of the nature of the changing uh, Supreme Court rules or whatever, it's now going to negatively impact the race. I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is this. Trump only needs what? Like, what did he he lose Wisconsin by? Like 10 or 20,000 or something? Or is it like 12,000? So so what does he need? 5% of these to be invalid? Assuming all of them are for Biden. If they're not, and many of these come from like a two to one Biden Trump, then Trump would need, you know, maybe 10 or 15% to be on the safe side. That's not a hard thing to do. He could easily grab 20,000 votes. And with a team, you can go through those names very, very easily and quickly. Journalists know these tricks. I can pull up your, your, I can, I can find where you work. I can find photos of you. I can find videos of you. This is the information age. I can very, very easily find out all of this information about you. I know if you're indefinitely confined or not. Now think about it this way. Imagine some of these people very easily, they go through the list of voter data and they find 24, you know, 25 year olds, 30 year olds. You can probably look them up and see them doing things that prove they're not indefinitely confined. You know, going out, going to the store, going to parties, going to friends' houses. That could be fairly easy for Trump. 
They go on to say, Justice Ann Walsh Bradley dissented from a part of that ruling that said voters could make the determination about being indefinitely confined based only on their own age or disability, rather than the age or disability of someone they are caring for. Justices, uh, I'm not super concerned about that. They say this spring, about 195,000 voters said they were indefinitely confined, up from 55,000 for the spring election four years earlier. Anomalous. Similarly, about 215,000 voters claimed that status this fall, nearly a fourfold increase from the last presidential election. So 215,000 votes. Some Republicans saw the increase as a sign that some voters are trying to get around the voter ID law. But Democrats and some election officials said a large increase wasn't a surprise during a pandemic that put people with certain pre-existing conditions into high-risk categories for COVID-19. They also noted many of the indefinitely confined voters already had an ID on file with the clerk or had shown one in a previous election. As we've heard, that is not grounds for indefinite confinement. I think Trump has an argument for how he won Wisconsin. And I think if he goes through it, he can easily prove it in the courts. And then I don't know what you do. Because when you look at this Wisconsin stuff, you look at this uh, uh, Michigan stuff. Oh, boy. Today's the Electoral College vote day. Now I'll tell you what really matters. Right now, they're going to say again, it's over. The Electoral College voted. Trump lost. According to Stephen Miller, who works for the Trump campaign, each of these states is going to be sending alternate electors casting their ballots to Congress. Here's what's going to happen. On January 6th, if that's the case, Mike Pence is going to be holding up two envelopes that say Pennsylvania on it. And he's going to be going, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. And he's got to choose which to count. And I think what will happen is he'll say, we have competing electors from these contested states. I will not be counting either of the state's votes because they, ha- they are not in alignment on as to what their votes are. He could also say that the, the federal government takes the word of the state legislatures over anyone else. And the state legislatures have said Trump. I don't think that'll be the case. I think Pence would end up saying, I'm not counting these if there's two envelopes. It would, it's not really going to be two envelopes. I don't exactly know how it'll play out. But he may, he may just say, I'm not counting this. Trump could win a contingent election. This is so crazy. <laughs> it's like something happens every week. I want to just say Trump is out. But there's that lightning bolts chance, triple lightning strike. We don't even know what's going on right now, especially with this report from Michigan. Trump could invoke what is it, executive order 88 or something on foreign interference. We'll see. I'll leave it there. You want to see things get spicy. I'm saving the biggest for 4 p.m. Go to youtube.com forward slash Timcast. Type this in youtube.com forward slash Timcast. When you press enter, you will go to a different YouTube channel. I have multiple channels. Check it out at 4 p.m. and I will see you all then. Today is the day that the Electoral College members in each different state cast their votes for the president of the United States. And while it is one of the most significant days in the electoral process, it is not the end. They keep saying it's over. December 8th, safe harbor deadline. It's over. It's not over. The lawsuits clearly continued. They say December 14th, it's over. They've counted their votes. And yes, as USA Today reports, four states contested by Trump cast their Electoral College votes for Biden. Boom, it's done. Newsmax, a new newer channel heavily supported by Trump supporters, says the contested states have voted for Joe Biden, the future president elect. They keep saying it's over, it's over, it's over, but it is not. On January 6th, as reported by the New York Times, 
Mike Pence will count the votes and determine who won the election. Now, there's one big problem for Democrats. As of right now, there are there's reporting coming out and official statements that the Republican electors have also cast their votes and will be sending them to Congress. It may be meaningless. Trump campaign has said the Trump campaign has said that there will be alternate electors sent to Congress. These are called dueling electors. It has happened before. Interestingly, as many of these news outlets, even Newsmax, focus on the official governor or secretary of state approval of these electoral votes, they ignore what happened in 1960 with Richard Nixon. Even though the governor approved Republican votes, they chose to count the Democrat votes instead. Now, listen, I've long maintained I don't see Trump pulling this one out. I just don't. But it is not over. I don't know what that means. There's always some slim possibility something happens. But you need to understand two things. We just got a major breaking story I covered over at at 1 p.m. over at TimCast News. The forensic analysis from the Dominion voting machines in Antrim County, Michigan, came out. And the assessment from a Harvard-educated MIT affiliate-affiliated individual who worked with the CIA and NASA has said he believes that there is intentional fraud here. What you want to conclude from that, that's on you. But this is still going to change the game. The big reason these states are the Republicans are casting electoral votes is not necessarily them saying, count us and ignore the will of the people. They're saying so long as there are challenges, we must have our votes recorded. That means in the next couple of weeks, maybe something happens. And then it comes down to January 6th and Mike Pence pulls up Pennsylvania and he pulls up Pennsylvania says there's two Pennsylvanias. Which ones do I count? And maybe he'll choose the one with the governor's stamp and seal of approval on it doesn't count like Richard Nixon did. I don't like playing this game. And I've said it before about here's how Trump could still win. Ah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Trump uh, uh, is going to win or is even likely to win. I think it's astronomically uh, unlikely that Trump will, will will win this. OK, there's potentially some martial law moves he can make, but I just don't think he has the confidence of people working in government. I just don't see it. Sorry, that's my opinion. You can disagree. But I absolutely must report on the fact that on to, on today, when the Electoral College set to vote, there are three states so far that appear to have dueling electors. Now, the left can say it doesn't matter if they appoint them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. We're talking about human beings who are fallible and make choices. And maybe, okay, maybe you think it doesn't matter. There's no legal standing. Fine. Maybe Mike Pence doesn't care what you think. and It'll have to go to the Supreme Court. These things are happening. So let's break down what's going on, where we're at. And I want to show you what happened in 1960 when the official governor's seal was rejected for other votes. It's happened. Doesn't mean it'll happen now. Doesn't mean it, it you know, it's, it's extremely likely to. This is just what's going on. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. Got a PO box. You want to send me some stuff, but the best thing you can do, share this video. A lot of people might not know what's going on. More importantly, YouTube probably won't show them what's going on because, well, you know, they've been putting their thumb on the scale to make sure news and information like this doesn't get out. Or at least they're, they're trying their hardest to curtail it. You can counter this suppression 
by sharing this video and also helps helps my channel, helps me personally. So I greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Here's the first official news from USA Today, and then I'll show you what's going on with these contested states. They say four states contested by Trump cast their electoral college votes for Biden. Nearly six weeks after Americans voted Joe Biden the next president, the electoral college is meeting Monday and will make President Donald Trump's electoral loss official. No, it won't. That the votes aren't going to be counted until January 6th. They just keep saying it's over when it's not. I understand with the advent of television and radio and Internet, we can see them cast their votes. But we're only seeing what the media is showing us. That means if you watch right wing media, if you watch, say, right side broadcasting network on YouTube, you will see Nevada casting votes for Trump. It's just all about propaganda and perception. We got to talk about what the legal ramifications are, and that's what we'll do. They say in state houses across the country, 530 electors will formally cast their votes for either Biden or Trump based on the popular votes in their states. Biden, they say the next president elect, which is a fair bet in my opinion, but sure, it's not true now. And Kamala Harris are expected to receive 306 electoral votes. I love how they say expected to, but still call him president elect, topping 232 for Trump. The electoral votes will be counted at a special joint session of Congress on January 6th before Biden and Harris are inaugurated on January 20th. Four states contested by Trump cast electoral votes for Biden. They say Pennsylvania, Georgia and Arizona each voted for Joe Biden, uh, voted uh, electors in three battleground states, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, each voted for Joe Biden for president and Kamala Harris for vice president Monday, delivering a collective blow to President Donald Trump, who sought to overturn the election results in each state. The votes, which came before 1 p.m., gave Biden 20 electoral votes from Pennsylvania, 16 from Georgia, and 11 from Arizona. Nevada earlier cast its ballots for Biden, meaning four of six states contested by Trump have completed their votes. Quote, the people have spoken, and we respect the majesty of the democratic system, said Pennsylvania Secretary of State Kathy Bookvar, a Democrat, quoting President President George H.W. Bush, President, wait, wait, as she kicked off, they said Georgia, as she kicked off her state's meeting. Your participation today in this electoral college proves, once again, the durability of our Constitution and the majesty of our democracy. In this historic moment, our democracy rests here with you. Let's stop for a second. They're not telling you what Trump is thinking and what Trump is doing. They say it's a collective blow to the president. Why? Stephen Miller, alternate electors will keep Trump election challenge alive. They say president, this is from the hill.com. President Trump's allies are preparing to send an alternate slate of electors to Congress. Senior White House advisor Stephen Miller said Monday, signaling Trump will drag out his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election, even after the the Electoral College certifies Joe Biden as the winner. Okay, certification already happened in many of these states. They're not certifying the, the votes until January 6th. Sorry. Miller, appearing on Fox News as a senior advisor to the Trump campaign, brushed off the idea that the Electoral College vote marked any kind of end to the process. The only date in the Constitution is January 20th. So we have more than enough time to right the wrong of this fraudulent election result and certify Donald Trump as the winner of the election, Miller said on Fox and Friends. As we speak today, an alternate slate of electors in the contested states is going to vote and we're going to send those results up to Congress, he continued. This will ensure that all of our legal remedies remain open. That means that if we win these cases in the courts, that we can direct that the alternate slate of electors be certified. Electors from every state will meet Monday. That's today. 
Miller indicated that Trump supporters will act as alternates in a handful of contested states, including Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, to submit their own unofficial results. Should the Trump campaign succeed in overturning the outcome in any of those states, Miller said, the alternate electors could then be recognized by Congress. Nothing in the Constitution or state electoral process allows for such an alternate slate of electors. But that is still irrelevant. What matters is if they say something today, something could still change. Look, I say this a lot, but you got to understand we're talking about human beings. Okay, if the will of the people changes on some day and people just do it, then so be it. Look, I'll pull up the historical precedents. We can see 1960 United States presidential election in Hawaii. They say initially it appeared Republican candidate Richard Nixon had won in the state as he was 141 votes ahead after the first count. A court ordered recount was still underway when Hawaii's Republican governor signed the certificate from the GOP electors, giving the state's three electoral votes to Nixon. Let me stop right there. There are still election contests going on. Lawsuits are still happening and data is still being released and the governor certified the results. That's what we're seeing today. It does not mean it's set in stone. I'm going to pause again and say, I don't think Trump wins. But if we follow the precedent from 1960, it's possible that Mike Pence in, in several, you know, a couple weeks says, based on the new information in court orders, we're not counting the Democrat victors. That's why these days don't really matter. It's all about what people decide. If the Supreme Court makes a decision, it could change everything. But let's read on. They say this. A court order recount was still underway when they signed the certificate from the GOP electors giving the states three electoral votes to Nixon. Now, to be fair, that's a court ordered action. Just because there's lawsuits doesn't mean it's the same thing. On the same day, the Democratic electors also issued a certificate awarding the votes to Kennedy, just like we're seeing now with the Republicans. The final recount showed Kennedy had actually prevailed, forcing the governor to sign the second certificate from the Democratic electors. Both certificates had arrived in Washington by the time Congress convened in January 1961, with then Vice President Nixon charged with presiding over a joint session to certify his own election loss. Hearing no objections, Nixon ordered the Democratic certificate counted and ignored the accompanying Republican certificate, even though it also bore the governor's signature as required by federal law. I do not think Trump is going to win this. I'll say it 50 million times. I know many Trump supporters might not like that opinion from me, but that's just my opinion. My predictions seem to be not worth all that much. So I'll just show you what's going on from PAGOP.org. Republican electors cast procedural vote, seek to preserve Trump campaign legal challenge, saying at the request of the Trump campaign, the Republican presidential electors met today in Harrisburg to cast a conditional vote for Donald Trump and Mike Pence for president and vice president, respectively. Quote, we took this procedural vote to preserve any legal claims that may be presented going forward, said Bernie Comfort, Pennsylvania chair of the Trump campaign. This was in no way an effort to usurp or contest the will of the Pennsylvania voters. Today's move by Republican Party electors is fashioned after the 1916 1960 presidential election in which President Nixon was de- uh, President Nixon was declared the winner in Hawaii while Democrat legal challenges were pending. Democratic presidential electors met to cast a conditional vote for John F. Kennedy to preserve their intent in the event of a future favorable legal outcomes. The conditional resolution states 
that electors certify their vote for the president and vice president on the understanding that if, as a result of a final non-appealable court order or other proceeding prescribed by law, they are ultimately recognized as being the duly elected and qualified electors for president and vice president of the United States of America from the state of Pennsylvania. We also have this from Right Side Broadcasting Network breaking Nevada GOP electors cast ballot for Donald J. Trump, declaring him winner of six electoral votes in Nevada. So we also then have uh, uh, Georgia, David Schaefer, who is uh, with the GA Republicans. He is the chairman of the Georgia, Georgia Republican Party. He said, because the president's lawsuit contesting the Georgia election is still pending, the Republican nominees for presidential elector met today at noon at the state capitol and cast their votes for president and vice president. It has happened. There are dueling electors. It doesn't mean Congress will recognize them. But I believe there are going to be Republicans who object to the Democratic votes. We saw 126 Republicans in the House support the Texas lawsuit. The likelihood that we see individuals sign on to object the electoral votes and bring up the alternate votes, I believe it's very, very likely. Let, let, me, let me tell you. When will these people on the left realize Trump is not playing around and will take this to the bitter end? He's willing to go this far. Don't you think January 6th will come around and we are going to see objections? My personal opinion, Mike Pence, honorably and respectably, will take a look at the votes. Trump having his his court cases not pan out because they, you know, many of these challenges, not just from Trump, but from others, haven't been panning out. He will likely just say, I see the objection. However, this one's got the stamp from the governor and this one doesn't. The Democrats get the votes. It is still possible. Mike Pence, and this is what the New York Times said, could say, I'm not counting either because the state is clearly in dispute. The state legislatures are the ones who have final say. If they say we direct these electors, possibly Mike Pence could be like, I'm not counting them. And if they and if he doesn't, we've got, I believe that, that brings us to we got 20 in Pennsylvania. We have uh, what, what are the states? Pennsylvania, Georgia and Nevada. So 26 and 16. We're looking at about what, 42. That takes Joe Biden. That, that means Joe Biden is not going to be uh, uh, the winner. He will not break 270. And then we'll have a contingent election, as most of you are probably aware and these are just three states that, uh, well, it was three states Trump needed to dispute in order to make, in order to make this happen. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. And again, I've said a million times, I don't think so. But the, the precedent is still really, really interesting. Now I want to show you something. This is from the Baltimore Sun. I highlighted this from the New York Times, but many people have been talking about it. People need to recognize on the left. This is why I say share this video. Let them know. This is Trump's strategy. For now, it doesn't mean it's going to work, but it's important you know what's going on. You ignore it. That's when Trump wins. With the Electoral College to cast votes for Biden on Monday, Trump allies a long shot election reversal in Congress. They say, as the president continues to refuse to concede, a small group of his most loyal backers in Congress is plotting a final stage challenge on the floor of the House of Representatives in early January to try to reverse Biden's victory. Constitutional scholars and even members of the president's own party say the effort is all but certain to fail. But the looming battle, January 6th, 
is likely to culminate in a messy and deeply divisive spectacle that could thrust President Pence into the excruciating position of having to declare once and for all that Trump has indeed lost the election. I believe this is the same New York Times article just posted the Baltimore Sun. But I want you to take that and recognize what that means. What are the two things we need for this challenge to happen? They can't just have people object. I object to that state. I mean, you could considering there's arguments and, you know, uh, disputes and there's lawsuits. But now with a dis- with with a dueling slate of electors, we've seen it many times before. It could ultimately end with them saying, I object. And Mike Pence saying, I'm not dealing with this objection. We don't have time and I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not a judge. Take it to the Supreme Court. Maybe it goes to Supreme Court. Maybe it's January 15th and we still have no idea what's going to happen. I'll tell you what I think. January 15th is going to come around and Trump's still going to be fighting, but it's going to be certified for, for Joe Biden. That's my opinion. Look, I'll tell you, my gut says Donald Trump somehow pulls a, you know, finds a way to do this. But my head clearly says it's, it's, it's effectively done. Okay. The Texas lawsuit was the best chance. Even Alex Jones, you know, I have on the IRL podcast was saying, that's basically, yeah, I mean, we're talking super Hail, Hail Mary at this point for Trump to try and pull anything off. It's just not at all likely, but it's been in the plan. It's been, it's been in the works for a long time. Let me show you this from Reuters. Explainer, dueling electors pose risk of U.S. vote deadlock from October 16th. We have known this could happen. It's not being pulled out of nowhere. Trump and Trump supporters did not just make up today. Let's try this random thing. We have been warned this was going to happen. So when it does come January 6th, or I mean, it's happening now. Don't be surprised if there's confusion and more legal challenges. Reuters reported in October in the U.S., a candidate becomes president by securing the most electoral votes rather than winning a majority of the national popular vote. Known as the Electoral College, the system allots electors to the 50 states and the District of Columbia largely based on their population. It is theoretically possible for the governor and legislature each representing a different political party to submit two different election results, leading to so-called dueling slates of electors. Let me just say, the governor and the legislature, it is the legislatures in these states that have been challenging the results. We will see. They said below are the details of how it might play out. You know what the electors are. There's 538. They represent, they, each state gets one based on how many congressmen they have and senator, how many Congress people they have and how many senators they have. What are dueling electors? They say states with close contests between Republican President Trump and Joe Biden could produce competing slates of electors, one certified by the governor and the other by the legislature. The risk of this happening is heightened in the battleground states of Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, which have Democratic governors and Republican controlled legislatures. Some election law experts are concerned that an unprecedented volume of mailed in votes and legal challenges will delay the outcome of the election for weeks, creating an extended period of uncertainty. Trump has repeatedly said the election is rigged and made unfounded attacks on mail in voting, which tends to favor Democrats. If early returns show a Trump lead, which it did, experts say the president could press Republican controlled legislatures to appoint electors favorable to him, which he is, claiming the initial vote count reflects a true outcome which he did. And many Trump supporters are citing now the Constitution, which says on election day, you appoint the electors. There is a subsequent provision added later. I don't think it's an amendment. So it might, this might get challenged that says if they don't appoint them on that day, they can still appoint them later. Governors in those same states 
could end up backing a separate slate of electors pledging to Biden if the final count showed the Democratic candidate had won, which is what happened. Both sets of electors would meet and vote on December 14th, and the competing results will be sent to Congress, which just happened. Which set of electors would prevail? Both chambers of Congress could accept the same slate of electors, which would almost certainly put the matter to rest. The chambers could also split, which is more likely if the Republicans retain control of the Senate and Democrats hold onto the House majority, which happened. Republicans could just be like, we don't care. We're counting the Republican votes for Trump. And the House could be like, we don't care. We're voting Democrat. And then Mike Pence goes, I don't know. <laughs> no vote. Seriously, look what look. This was written in October by Reuters. If lawmakers cannot agree on a set of electors, the country will find itself in uncharted territory. The Electoral Count Act, often described by academics as unintelligible, seems to favor the slate of electors certified by the state's governor, according to Ned Foley, a professor at Ohio State University, Moritz College of Law. But Foley notes that some scholars in an analysis by the Congressional Research Service have rejected that conclusion. Academics have sketched out several scenarios under one. Pence, as president of the Senate, could throw out both sets of the state's electors. Another contemplates that the House of Representatives would end up choosing between Biden and Trump. There is even a scenario in which the Speaker of the House, currently Democrat Nancy Pelosi, could become acting president. Yep. Would the U.S. Supreme Court get involved? They say the Supreme Court may be called upon to interpret the Electoral College Act to break any deadlock. A Supreme Court ruling helped resolve the 2000 Bush v. Gore case, but that case was about a recount in Florida, and the decision was reached before electors met to cast their votes. Quote, I think there will be legal challenges, said Jessica Levinson, director of Loyola Law School's Public Service Institute. But I could see a court saying this would really be better left up to Congress. Has it happened before? In 1876, dueling electors in three states were deadlocked until a deal was brokered days before Inauguration Day. The dispute was resolved if a Republican, Rutherford B. Hayes, became president in exchange for withdrawing U.S. troops left over from the Civil War from southern states. Quote, I hope it's a very, a very low probability event, but 1876 is a reminder that it is not zero. And we have come very close to falling over that cliff in our history, Foley said. 1876. Heck of an election. Dueling electors get sent. They couldn't determine who was actually the winner. So uh, they convened a panel of judges and better men, as they like to say back then. Hi, you know, just like people of prestige, I suppose, forming a council to determine who the president would be. Yeah, that's how things went down. We're all biased because we've lived in this country for a long time. And over time, the country's institutions sort of solidify and people just adhere to them. But you need to realize what they did in 1876 had nothing to do with the Constitution for the most part. It was them being like, we need a solution because we don't want the Civil War to start back up. So the South was like, I'll tell you what, you guys get your president, you end Reconstruction. And that happened. Reconstruction effectively ended in 1876 when a panel just said, I guess that's the president. Yeah. So listen, you've got your establishment bias and you've got your anti-establishment bias. I think the anti-establishment individuals are the ones saying, I don't care what's written on, you know, in, in your uh, formalized notebook about how things go. The people on the, the anti-establishment types are like, is it in the Constitution? The media keeps saying president-elect, but according to the Constitution, that is meaningless. So you effectively have the anti-establishment type saying, 
Is it in the Constitution? You have the left, the Democrats, the establishment saying we go by our norms, which are not codified or in the Constitution. Joe Biden is not president elect until January 6th. And we now have dueling slates of electors. Mind you, in Michigan, I don't know if they've if Michigan's going to be, you know, casting their their electoral votes for Trump as well, like in in doing a a dueling election. They may have already done this. Michigan legislature presses ahead with investigation into election irregularities. Quote, there's still a high level of interest across the state from this is a story from just the news. We got a report that was released. A judge ordered it released from a, a guy who's Harvard educated associate. You know, he worked with MIT, NASA, the CIA, Duke University. And he said that they believe that the Dominion voting machines were intentionally producing errors that would provide an opportunity for an election official without tra- without a tra- you know, without being traced or tracked to adjudicate votes and decide where they go. They say it was intentional and it's a very, very damning report. For a lot of people, it's definitive proof. I don't know where it brings us. It needs to go to court. But that's that's it. It needs to go to court. Wisconsin recently ruled that COVID was not grounds for indefinite uh, uh, confinement, meaning there's potentially 200,000 votes that are in question. If we remove the 55,000 people who claimed this in the last cycle and say we got 155,000, which is anomalous, Trump may be able to find 10 or 20,000 votes that don't qualify and get them thrown out. The courts ruled the votes can be thrown out. That's why it's important that these electors cast their votes the way they did. The challenges are not done. It's very possible that in the end, Donald Trump prevails. I say very possible. I didn't say very likely. I don't know how many times I need to say that I don't think it's likely. But the reason I'm doing that, listen, it's just my opinion. In my opinion, I thought Trump was going to was going to win based on the down ballots, everything. Look, I'll tell you this. My prediction was actually pretty good. Seriously. Now, you get these lefties who said that I was claiming Trump was going to win a 49 state landslide because they take the hypotheticals out of, you know, out of the context. The context before, for the most part, was me saying, like, if Trump legalizes pot and pardons Assange and appoints Tulsi Gabbard, like things he probably wasn't going to do. I'd say that's how he gets that 49 state landslide. I said things like if the far left, you know, escalates this violence and come election day, we see widespread right across the country. Trump will definitely do a 49 state landslide. They like to cut that out and say that uh, I was predicting just for no reason Trump was going to win with a, with a massive landslide. Here's what matters. The polls said Trump was down double digits in some some, you know, in some states. And that was ridiculous. The historical margin of failure for the polls was now four to seven. And based on everything we saw down ballot, my prediction should have been better that I think Trump is going to Trump's probably going to win. And so, you know, down ballot votes, in which case you take a look at the House races in the state level. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the state rep, uh, House levels and the U.S. House. And you see Republicans did really, really well. So I don't know. Uh, anyway, look, I, I digress. I don't know what my predictions are worth. OK, if you want to believe Trump is going to win, please do so with my blessing. I'm just saying this is unprecedented. And I have a normalcy bias. The establishment has been prevailing for some time. They, they, they blocked up Trump. They jammed him up. They caused so many problems to his presidency. I just don't see why it would be that they just can't maintain some kind of control. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the dueling electors will play out and they'll go to Trump. It's really actually not that far fetched to think the Republicans in the Senate are going to say, we pick the Republican electors. But keep in mind, you got people like, you know, like Murkowski or whatever. You got, 
a mansion. You've got Republicans who are not going to play with this, you know, play play ball. And they're going to say Joe Biden. So that's just basically why I don't think it's going to play out this way. I think Joe Biden is going to be sworn in as the next president. And it's going to be really weird. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. I think it's horrifying. But that's where we're at so far. But I'll tell you this. I could be wrong. You know, come come January 6th, could be wrong. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight live, youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. We're going to be having a, a, a good show and we'll talk about this stuff with the with the crew. So make sure you check out youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. This morning, a massive news story broke about what may be the most impactful cyber attack on the U.S. we have ever seen. DHS has issued an emergency warning that there may have been espionage going on through our critical infrastructure for six months, maybe a year. Now, the AP reports U.S. agencies hacked in months long global cyber spying campaign. But it's important to point out, they say in a rare emergency directive issued late Sunday, the Department of Homeland Security's cybersecurity arm warned of an unacceptable risk to the executive branch from a feared large-scale penetration of U.S. government agencies that could date back to mid-year or earlier. That being the case, I don't quite get why they're saying months long. Oh, maybe there is a good reason why they're saying it's a months long, even though the warning says mid-year or earlier. About a month ago, Donald Trump fired Christopher Krebs, who was the first director of cybersecurity infrastructure. Uh, uh, he was the first director of the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, or what? I'm probably messing the name up. But he, he ran cyber infrastructure security, etc. Trump fired him, and the media immediately reported that he was fired for essentially for retaliation. That Donald Trump had said there was widespread voter fraud, and this guy came out and said it was the most secure election we've ever had, which is ridiculous. Coming out two weeks after the election, they didn't even finish counting in some places. And he was like, most secure. Trust me. There's no way he did a forensic analysis on any systems, looked for potential malware or exploits or did any kind of investigation in two weeks. To come out and say that was ridiculously irresponsible. Now, of course, Trump may have actually fired the guy because he was undermining Trump's position. Fine, whatever. But the guy probably should have been fired. I mean, it's 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 extremely irresponsible to claim without evidence that it was the most secure election ever, because that's just ridiculous. It's probably the least. Now, listen, hear me out. Let me tell you something about cybersecurity, why this story is so significant and how it relates to this guy. First, this guy was in charge while all of this was happening. He could not he could not see a six month or maybe year long mid year or earlier Cyber cyber espionage campaign against the U.S. They didn't notice it. I don't necessarily blame him. Cybersecurity is rather difficult. You see, there's so many ways to exploit a system to break in and steal things, and it's impossible to plug every single hole. It's like imagine you have a giant wall and it's mesh, like a mesh wall, all of little holes everywhere. You can't plug every single one, but you try. Reminds me of that cartoon or cartoons when like. The boat springs a leak and they're all trying to put their fingers in the holes. The only way you can put your finger in the hole to stop the water from spraying out into your boat is if you see the water spraying into your boat. You got to look for the leaks, but you can't know where the leak is going to spring from. This guy, it really does seem based on what we're learning now, this guy Krebs was just trying to essentially disrespect Trump. It was the most secure. That was absurd when I heard it. 
because I have a bunch of friends who work in cybersecurity and I've, I've been, uh, you know, I was heavily involved in the hacker community over the past decade or so. So yeah, plainly irresponsible and ridiculous. Now, the media is saying months long campaign, because I'll tell you what's coming next. They're going to say it happened right around the time when Donald Trump fired this guy. <clears throat> it's Trump's fault mid-year or earlier. But let me let me give you the news and then I'll, and I'll show you the context of this Krebs guy and what Trump did. They say U.S. government agencies were ordered to scour their networks for malware and disconnect potentially compromised servers after authorities learned the Treasury and Commerce Departments were hacked in a months long global cyber espionage campaign discovered when a prominent cybersecurity firm learned it had been breached. Quote, this can turn into one of the most impactful espionage campaigns on record, said cybersecurity expert Dmitry Alperovich. The hacked cybersecurity company FireEye would not say who it suspected. Many experts believe the operation is Russian, given the careful tradecraft, and noted that foreign governments and major corporations were also compromised. News of the hacks, first reported by Reuters, came less than a week after FireEye disclosed that nation state hackers had broken into its network and stolen the company's own hacking tools. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's brutal, man. The apparent conduit for the Treasury, Treasury and Commerce Department hacks and the, Fire, uh, and the FireEye compromise is a hugely popular piece of server software called SolarWinds. It is used by hundreds of thousands of organizations globally, including most Fortune 500 companies and multiple U.S. federal agencies, which will now be scrambling to patch up their networks, said Alperovich, the former chief technical officer of the cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike. The DHS directive, only the fifth since they were created in 2015, said U.S. agencies should immediately disconnect or power down any machines running the impacted SolarWinds software. FireEye, without naming any specific targets, said in a blog post that its investigation into the hack of its own network had identified a global campaign <clears throat> targeting governments and the private sector that beginning in the spring had, sl- had slipped malware into a solar wind software update. Neither the company nor the U.S. government publicly identified Russian state backed hackers as responsible. The malware gave the hackers remote access to victims network. And Alperovitch said, SolarWinds grants God mode access to a network, making everything visible. My stars and garters talk about a substantial hack. The Treasury and Commerce Department's DHS issuing a warning saying could impact the executive branch and potential Russian hackers. Oh, or just state actors in general with God mode access to our networks. This guy had the nerve to come out and say something as dumb as this is the most secure system, you know, election we've ever had. I'm not saying there's a relation between Treasury and Commerce Departments and the election servers. I'm saying this dude was asleep at the wheel when all this was going down. Now, listen, listen, I've, I've got friends who work in InfoSec and, and work in the hacker community and know this stuff. It's not an easy thing to track down. These things happen. Exploits aren't exploits. They happen. It is so easy to find an exploit. Well, I should say it's relatively easy, and it's almost impossible to stop the exploits. In order to stop them, you have to find the hole first. But typically, if someone finds a way to break into a system, they just sell it for money. They find somebody who's interested in buying it and saying it's called an O-day exploit or a zero-day exploit, something that's been in the public eye for zero days. That means nobody knows it exists, and there's no way to stop it until they do. The good guys are constantly trying to find these exploits and then fix them. 
The bad guys are trying to are trying to find these and sell them. So it is difficult to secure a system. That's why it's so insane. This guy came out and was both like just just saying nonsense without doing any investigations. It puts us at risk to disregard. Like, you know, I'll tell you what's the craziest thing. Knowing how easy it is to exploit systems and how hard it is to protect them. This guy coming out and saying that I was like, are you nuts? Man, he's inviting the chaos. They say, quote, we anticipate this will be a very large event when all the information comes to light, said John Holtquist, director of the threat analysis at FireEye. The actor is operating stealthily, but we are certainly still finding targets that they managed to operate in <clears throat> on its website. SolarWinds says it has 300,000 customers worldwide, including all five branches of the U.S. Mom. <laughs> I'm sorry. Check this out. All five branches of the U.S. military, the Pentagon, the State Department, NASA, the National Security Agency, the Department of Justice, and the White House. It says the 10 leading U.S. telecom companies and the top five U.S. accounting firms are among its customers. FireEye said it had confirmed infections in North America, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East, including in the healthcare and oil and gas industry, and had been informing affected customers around the world in the past few days. Its customers include federal, state, and local governments and top global corporations. This dude should have been fired a long time ago. Good. Trump did the right thing, maybe for dumb reasons, but at least the guy got fired. I certainly hope whoever is there now is sweating bullets. It said that malware that rode the SolarWinds update did not need self-propagating malware, like the NotPetya malware, malware blamed on Russia that caused more than $10 billion in damage globally. And that any actual infiltration of an infected organization required meticulous planning and manual interaction. That means it's a good bet only a subset of infected organizations were being spied on by the hackers. Nation states have their cyber espionage priorities, which include COVID-19 vax development. Could it possibly be that they went after the U.S. military and our, and our, and our agencies? And dare I say, our elections? Maybe. Kremlin spokesman. Dmitry Peskov said Monday that Russia had nothing to do with the hacking. Once again, I can reject these accusations, Peskov told reporters. If for many months the Americans couldn't do anything about it, then probably one shouldn't unfoundedly blame the Russians for everything. <laughs> you see all that Russiagate nonsense for years. And yeah, for months. So Trump fires this guy. I wonder if there's a possibility that the U.S. government actually found out about this massive breach. And there's a real reason Trump fired this guy, because you have to understand the government probably learned about these hacks well before the public is right. Maybe this guy came out and said it was the best election ever because he knew he was about to get fired. Maybe someone gave him a, mem a memo and he dropped the low right there in his office desk and said, oh, no, the most impactful, most consequential cyber espionage ever on his watch. Brutal. CSIS said it was working with other agencies to help identify and mitigate any potential compromises. The FBI said it was engaged in a response, but declined to comment further. If the FBI is already engaged in a response and the news is breaking now, certainly to go, go up the bureaucratic chain, they must have known about this a while ago. Imagine there's a threat to the U.S. government. The public is likely not going to learn about it for some time. I think they knew about this for a while, and I wonder if that's why Trump really fired the guy. AP says President Donald Trump last month fired the director of CISA, Chris Krebs, after Krebs vouched for the integrity of the presidential election and disputed Trump's claims of widespread electoral fraud. 
In a tweet Sunday, Krebs said hacks of this type take exceptional tradecraft and time, adding that he believed that its impact was only beginning to be understood. (laughs) Congratulations, Captain. Federal agencies have long been attractive targets for foreign hackers looking to gain insight into American government personnel and policymaking. Hackers linked to Russia, for instance, were able to break into the State Department's email system in 2014, infecting it so thoroughly that it had to be cut off from the entire from the Internet while experts worked to eliminate the infestation. A year later, a hack at the U.S. government's personnel office blamed on China compromised the personal information of some 22 million current, former and prospective federal employees, including highly sensitive data such as background investigations. The intrusions disclosed Sunday included the Commerce Department's agency responsible for Internet and telecommunications policy. A spokesperson confirmed a breach in one of our bureaus and said we have asked CISA and the FBI to investigate. Austin, Texas-based SolarWinds confirmed Sunday a potential vulnerability related to updates released between March and June for software products called Orion that help monitor networks for problems. We believe that this vulnerability is the result of a highly sophisticated targeted and manual supply chain hack attack by a nation state, said SolarWinds CEO Kevin Thompson in a statement. He said it was working with the FBI, FireEye and intelligence community. FireEye announced on December 8th that it had been hacked, saying foreign state hackers with world class capabilities broke into its network and stole tools it uses to promote the defense of its thousands of customers. The hackers primarily sought information related to certain government customers. FireEye CEO Kevin Mandia said in a statement without naming them. Former NSA hacker Jake Williams, the president of the cybersecurity firm Rendition Infosec, said FireEye surely told the FBI and other federal agencies how it had been hacked, and they determined that the Treasury had been similarly compromised. The Treasury. I suspect that there's a number of other federal agencies we're going to hear from this week that have also been hit. FireEye responded to the Sony and Equifax data breaches and helped Saudi Arabia thwart an oil industry cyber attack and has played a key role in identifying Russia as the protagonist in numerous aggressions in the burgeoning netherworld of global digital conflict. Mandia said there was no indication they got customer information from the company's consulting or breach response businesses or threat intelligence data it collects. I will stress one more time. FireEye publicly announced on December 8th. They must have discovered it well before then, immediately went to law enforcement and said, we have got a massive problem here. So what was the date on that firing? The New York Times reported November 17th, President Trump on Tuesday night. So probably what was it the 16th? I don't have the calendar pulled up. Fired his administration's most senior cybersecurity official responsible for securing the presidential election, Christopher Krebs, who had systematically disputed Trump's claims, Trump's false declarations in recent days, blah, 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 New York Times. The announcement came via Twitter, the same way Trump fired his defense secretary. Mr. Trump seemed set off. Well, do we have the uh, we have the tweet from Trump about the firing? Let's see exactly what uh, what 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 Trump says. Trump did, I believe, he says the recent statement made by Krebs on the national on the security of the 2020 election was highly inaccurate, in that there were massive improprieties and fraud, including dead people voting, poll watchers not allowed into polling locations, glitches in the voting machines, which changed votes from Trump to Biden, late voting, and many more. Therefore, effective immediately, Chris Krebs has been terminated as director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Trump straight up said he was firing the guy because of his statement. First of all, when it comes to the election, 
I think it was completely inappropriate for him to come out and say this. Could you imagine if there was, you know, that look, we've got we've got one of the most divided nations we've ever seen. Almost. Well, as some have said, we're almost as divided as we were during the, the you know, Civil War, 1860s and such. We're divided. The last thing we need is people fanning the flames. And that includes the president himself. But I can't be mad at the president for advocating on his behalf to uh, on his behalf to try and win an election, to fight every legal battle and find any path to victory. I can, however, say what was the reason this dude came out and had to say this instead of just saying nothing? Unless he launched a formal investigation and did the hard forensic work and followed up on the accusations, he was doing something that was grossly irresponsible. And you know what? That's why he should have been fired. It's, 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 it's dangerous and it's absurd to make these assertions without evidence and without investigation. It's not like he's the only one who's ever done it. It's not like Trump is all innocent on this either. The point is, this guy was the head with the archived, uh, archived content. Yeah, because the guy's fired. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the first director of the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, sworn in June 15th, 2018. Well, Trump brought this guy in and it was a mistake because now we're learning of what may be one of the most impactful cyber espionage attacks on the United States. Of course, you can count on the left to claim it was Russia. And I think they're doing that mostly because the mainstream media wants an excuse to go to war with Russia. They don't want to go to war with China. And, I, and I, I've been thinking about the Russia-China stuff for a second and, and, and why this, this sort of like divide, this dichotomy exists, Russia and China. The right says it's China, the left says it's Russia. Well, think about it. Russia and China don't necessarily get along. They have disputed borders. Or I should say, I don't, it's, not, it's not that they have disputed borders, but there's disputed interests near their borders. Russia would certainly like a leg up on China. China would certainly like a leg up on Russia. And the left is anti-Russia and the right is anti. Well, actually, I should say this. Most regular people are not big fans of either Russia or China, but the different factions are accusing, you know, either China or Russia of being the big super boogeyman or whatever. There's a simple truth here. And the truth is that China is the real threat to the United States, both in manufacturing, militarily. What is Russia doing? We have, we have some like flybys with like Russia near Alaska and like in Europe and stuff. And yeah, with China, they've extracted the manufacturing base of this country. They've bragged about compromising the incoming president. So I think uh, Russia isn't the biggest problem we have, but they want to go to war with Russia. They want natural gas into Europe. They want to control the flow of resources into Europe, and Russia is in the way, and it's been. You look at who the United States likes to go up against, and it's the countries that don't agree with the uh, the, the petrodollar, the the the, <clears throat> the 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 global U.S. oil reserve system, that kind of stuff. You look at Gaddafi, you look at Saddam Hussein, you look at the Qatar-Turkey pipeline. There is a very easily discernible pattern in who gets the boot from the United States. Well, Russia has a natural gas monopoly for the, for the most part going into Europe and the U.S., though, while I should say the corporate interests, they want that oil. They want that gas, but they don't care about China stealing our manufacturing base, extracting our manufacturing base and damaging our economy. Now, I don't know who's responsible for this hack. I do know that we are in a precarious position, this country, 
We are we are we are hearing people call for a divorce between states or cities or whatever you know call it. I don't know what you call it. Jurisdictions, I suppose. We've got a global pandemic, a national lockdown. We got another story. Bill Gates now saying that we should uh, uh, we're going to be locked down for another two years, another two years, just completely destroying the economy of this country. Why? They're burning it to the ground. And then they tell us Russia is the big threat. Things are, are, are getting bad, to say the least. At a time when we are more divided than ever, where there's street battles happening across the country, four people in critical cr- condition just, the other, uh, just a couple nights ago, the other night, and uh, a, an Antifa person shot in the stomach in, in Olympia in Washington state. Now we're learning that our critical infrastructure, our cybersecurity infrastructure has been infiltrated potentially for more than six months. It's, 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 there's cracks forming in the foundation. It's probably the easiest way to put it. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, the contributing factors that could lead to something like a civil war. If we've got people fighting each other, we're too busy fighting each other, then we're not paying attention to the external threats. And of course, the external threats like Russia and China both will start chipping away at that at, at those cracks in the foundations to weaken the base and then ultimately lead us to split and then collapse. And that's the that's the big fear right now. I'm glad this guy got fired. Absolutely. Trump set up said he fired the guy for coming out about the elections. But I think Trump was right. Based on what we're seeing now, this dude right under his nose was happening. I'm not going to pretend like it's an easy job and I could do it better. But for this guy to be as boastful and arrogant to say it's the most it's the most secure election was just completely insane. This guy was probably sitting there playing video games in his office while all of this was going down, not paying attention, not realizing that the foundation was being hacked away at. We got more. I got there's, there's, there's a bunch of stories today, my friends. There's this. This is a big breaking news. And, you know, while it might not be the most politically relevant to many people, this like story is dropping right now. And yikes. But there's more. Bill Gates said two years of lockdown. I think I'll cover that. I, I, I may cover that at 1 p.m. We've also got Electoral College Day today. Who knows what's going to happen? It's probably going to be uneventful. They're probably going to say Joe Biden. That's going to be the end of it. But we'll see what happens. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. And I will see you all then.